background. And uh, let's get into our I am an African feature talking about what is the significance of Independence Day in Africa. 12 minutes past two, if you've just joined us, well, welcome. We speak to Advocate Sipo Mandula, who is researcher in the Institute for Dispute Resolution in Africa, the ITRA, based at uh, UNISA. So this month, uh, Ghana was the one uh, celebrating Independence Day on the continent and marking the Declaration of Independence from the United Kingdom by Prime Minister Kwame Nkrumah, on uh, March 1957. So what is the significance of uh, Independence Day being observed on the African continent by the different countries? That's what we're asking. 0891-104-207 is the number you can call. 40938 is where you can SMS. Welcome, Advocate, uh, to Lifetime Live. Thank you, Sister Asanda, and good afternoon to the listeners. So, I mean, this month was uh, Ghana celebrating. Sierra Leone will follow next month and on the 22nd of April and then uh, others uh, go on and on. But when we talk about, uh, you know, Independence Day in Africa and what it means for the different countries, or maybe we can even generalize to say in Africa first before we break it down as we go into our chat a bit deeper. When we talk about what it is and, and what it, it represents, it's not something that's, you know, rosy or even uh, fun because it's colonized that we're tackling and dealing with at the end of the day. Is this something that should be still a significant commemoration on, on the continent? I think so. You have a double-barrel question, Sister Asanda, okay. <laughs> uh, about uh, the independence of Africa, or others will say uh, Africa regain its independence, actually, because it has been all along independent, and you use the second language of colonialism and colonization. <clears throat> but others will use another word to even still say that even if Africa has a political independence, that period of the 1960s, that wave that we saw, and the wave of the 1963 of the African uh, Organization of uh, African Unity. But talking about South Africa as well, as we're talking about Sierra Leone, Togo, South Africa, sharing 27 April, and then you ask, is it the mere flag? Is it the anthem? That's what other scholars are now questioning. Or is it the role of our citizens to now start to take role into the decision-making in the state? And I think your last key question that you raised, which is critical, is it still relevant to commemorate or celebrate Mm. these national days in African countries when actually most of them were still looking to their former colonial master, Madagascar, uh, when they got independence, Philibert Tiranana said, we are still part of France. We still feel that we are not yet ready for this independence. But Lumumba said our independence is our struggle. Mm. You know, it's what we have fought for now. And then others, they will go deeper and deeper explaining. Uh, uh, Senegal, they will explain freedom, I mean, independence and economy as well. Others will raise it with pain. So I don't think we should forget, you know. I, think, I, I don't think we should ever forget commemorating these national days of our freedom. Maybe we have to rephrase the word Independence Day. Uh, others have called Freedom Day. Others, they will call them National uh, Days or National Heroes Day. And, uh, and uh, how do we rephrase it to make it more African? We have to make it more African by acknowledging everyone who has taken part in the fight against all the ills of colonialism and neo-colonialism, and as well as the one can say that we have not changed 
uh, what uh, one president in Africa said that even if I have adopted from Malawi, actually, Baluki Mulus, he said, I must have adopted the house of a Western uh, culture or uh, I have taken everything, but our thinking, I must not adopt the Western thinking. So I think the decolonization of the mind is very critical in this project because it was the mindset that was put on the anthem, it was the mindset that was put on the national flags of the former colonial masters. It was even the education system. It was even the media. It was the broadcasting, how it was uh, colonized. Now it needs to be decolonized by putting the African context. And I don't think speeches are enough, Sister Asanda, and giving people T-shirts and food and have a show, you know, people dancing. And from there, again, a state has lost money because the money still goes to the service providers. A state doesn't still generate money from such events. And talking about mindset, especially on the topic of money, where the money is actually going, can we really say that the mindset has changed? Because the money we spend is on labels that are not African, on, you know, uh, the, the technology that is not Africa produced. That's, that is quite true, that even when we were celebrating our Freedom Day, uh, when we are even celebrating our days, I think... For us to bring them more African, I think you will, you will agree with me that when it comes to Chapville Day, I don't think we are missing the point of the cultural ceremony of going to the gravesite. Mm-hmm. We are going there. So we are not losing it. The problem might be when we want to celebrate our days at some fancy hotels, you know, wasting the money of the state, when we could be using the national heritage sites, we could be using our national assets, you know. And, and, and I think that's where we have lost the point even of our Public Holidays Act, you know, Sister Asanda, that remember the Cultural Commission at some point commissioned a report on the public holidays. Mm. And looking at the number of these holidays, are they relevant? Economically, are we, are we still benefiting or is it a waste of money? Others are saying, but are they one-sided? Are they only Christian-based, you know? So if one comes back to the mindset, I think at the education system, that's where we have to be giving that element of being patriotic and being pan-African, you know, understand the African context because the colonial master, what he has left in Africa, it is his blueprint and it is for him to always come to Africa and even African leaders still going to the UN, to IMF, to still beg. I think one element that we are missing again economically is that the independence of Africa has become the, the dependence. We are just taking in and we still live Dependence. So we are still depending on our former colonial masters. Is it in this day and age a reality to say that we need to completely be um, independent of uh, the rest of the world, the Western world, the, the, the European world, when we use things like cellular phones that are not produced <laughs> on the continent? And that's an everyday thing that, you know, no one is going to give up their cell phone. Is it a reality? Is it something that we can say, no, but it is realistic to say, Africans, uh, let's look into the continent for all that yeah, we need. Yeah. You know, you are reminding me what Jomo Kenyatta said, that we should never allow our independence or our freedom to be compromised by what we are raising in terms of technology, as they are using the word fourth industrial revolution. And one might pause and say, but where is the first? Where is the second? Where is the third? Mm. And like you are saying, where is our indigenous ways of even communication? But remember, Sister Asanda, last month when we talk of a Black History Month, there was this motion of Black inventors, black creative thinkers, you know, 
and and that has been erased. That has been del- deleted in the in the servers of the of of the African thoughts by the Western knowledge. You know, so I, I don't think if we are using the modern technology, we are using industrialization as Africans. We are still uh, bowing to the West. I think some of the uh, innovations we have been using them actually they have been stealing some of our natural resources because through the same independence when they were giving us independence. At the same time, they were keeping the economic benefits and economic uh, reparation away from us. So we got what they will say it was political freedom, but we never had our cultural and economic freedom. Let's take a break and uh, continue with our chat. What is the significance of Independence Day in Africa? Talking to advocate Sipo Mandula, and uh, this is Lifetime Live. Call SFM right now on 0891-104-207. Talking, uh, what is the, or asking, what is the significance of Independence Days in Africa? Speaking to advocate Sipo Mandula, researcher in the Institute for Dispute Resolution in Africa, the IDRA, based at uh, UNISA. So, I mean, let's go back and then just touch a little bit on, on, on history in, in terms of what uh, spearheaded the starting of independence on, in the continent, which was after World War II, leading to the Union of South Africa in 1931, as early as that, through the negotiations with the British Empire, and then Libya in 1951. And then, as you mentioned, the peak year being in 1960s, or during that period where about 17 countries gained independence. First of all, are young people even aware of this history? And, and second of all, when we talk about the role of citizens, is this going to differ between the older generation and the younger Africans? I think, Sister Sande, there will be some harmonization of the intergenerational dialogue and gap. Hence, we have institutions like universities, uh, you have the media centers, you have shows like this, and you have, mm-hmm. in this building where I'm, I am coming left to you, I'm sitting with a gem of knowledge, uh, Professor Sifisol Zofu, who is busy pushing the, uh, the uh, popularization of African social science, or what you can say, African history. Mm-hmm. And I think this history that you raised earlier of, of uh, where did it all started. And, but before Ghana, normally we'll say the, South, the, the North Sudan in 1956, got independence, you know, from Britain and others say, but no, Ghana in 1957. But others will say, but it, it was not an independence. They regained independence because the, there were kingdoms in, in Africa, but there was an interruption that in our history, young people must know the Berlin Conference. There's no way in our story or in our historical analysis of paralysis, we cannot look at the aspect of the Berlin Conference, the impact, the diplomats, technocrats, who met for three months from both 1883 to 1884 to 1885, working around the uh, cutting of Africa. And that's where the issue, as we have said earlier, about 17 African states being independent. And in 1963, we saw the 32 states. And now in 2019, we're talking of almost 54, with the exception of Western Sahara, which is still going through the pains and the sufferings of Morocco. So that's where mm. you find when we have to look even at the, at the role of, of France in West Africa, the role of Britain in Anglo-Africa, in the Southern Hemisphere. You look at the, uh, one, one can say, in the islands. Uh, you look at the French as well in the <coughs> islands. <coughs> and then Sister Sandra, you look at the, what you call the Lusophone, your Mozambique, your Angola, where we find the Portuguese 
So, so that's where you find that. Is it that we just occupy the state house? We get into the parliament. We don't change anything in the parliament. It's still the same keys, still the same doors, still the same rules of the parliament. Mm-hmm. It's still the same protocol of the president of the red carpet, never the black carpet. You know, it's, it's, so nothing has changed, I think, in our, in our governance system and in our reorientation of the colonial heritage. Because I think the political independence by Western powers to Africa was just a smoke screen. They never wanted to give away Africa in the early 60s, just like they did in the Berlin Conference. They were able to conquer Africa, and somebody took Congo and called Congo his state. Remember the Congo Free State? Somebody just occupied the whole Congo and said, this is my own country. Mm. You know, you look at even South, South Africa. We have occupied Namibia. Uh, it was Southwest Africa. Until 21 March 1990, Namibia got its independence back, and the Herero and the Nama are still fighting the Germans today. So the role of young Africans then, in terms of when we talk about the role of citizens, what is the role of young people in uh, maybe reshaping Independence so, Day? I think for the young people, since I met Eunice, I will say we have the Tabombeki Leadership Institute, we have different research institutions that young people across South Africa have been having access to UNISA to engage on this talk. And I think maybe we're not doing enough even in, the, in terms of curriculum, in terms of even the media, in terms even of this national dance. We have what at Asian culture they call the young patriots. I think that's one program that should be elevated of the young patriots. We have the social cohesion program. We've got the legends, Sister Asana, despite the crisis that we see now recently about the former chair person of the legends, but the legends as well are the carrier of the history of this continent. The feeling screenings about Africa, I don't think, and the young people are caught up in the gadgets. I think even sometimes to have an app, like what I've seen with uh, Welsh both who come up with an app about getting the young people, activating their mind. What is their take about politics? What is their take about elections? So I think we have to have what we call positive distraction of the mind of the young people, which is constructive. So if we uh, talk about the the only two countries that couldn't be colonized because of strong resistance, Ethiopia and Liberia, Liberia, what what lessons can the rest of the continent learn in terms of how pan-African they were even back then? Wow. You know, when you talk of Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, it was briefly invaded. It was never colonized. It was only five years of the Italian occupation. And Liberia as well. It was, one can say, an American uh, token, you know, of giving Liberia freedom, but still... America is still benefiting from the natural resources of that country. Ethiopia, I think what we learn from it now, it is in terms of their knowledge, it is in terms of, because I'm talking of university levels, you have many intellectuals coming from Ethiopia, Mm. you have Ethiopian runners, when you look at the sports, you know, you look at Ethiopians at the coffee, when you look at food security, uh, when you look even at their airlines, despite what we are seeing even now with this latest crash, but it's still mm. a country that had an independent national air carrier that was of the state. And from Ethiopia is even the cultural and the religious resistance that came from those independent states that they never allowed to be colonized because they were on their side having the role of religious movements. At the same time, cultural movements were playing a critical role in those countries. And I think today, Liberia, we see a soccer player being the head of state. Ethiopia, we see a woman being a female president and having a less cabinet that many African countries, after independence, must not be after power, must not rush for power 
But Mali says they are fighting for power, but they don't know the hour. So it is not good when we have a bloated cabinet in our African countries after independence. Mm. And it is not good for our African countries even to steal from the public funds. Fighting for power, but not knowing the hour. So it is about timing as well. It's timing, definitely. Because history, it is the clock. John Henry Clark once reminded us that history it is the compass. It will tell us where we are, where we are going. So our leaders... The issue of timing, critical that we talk of the African century. Remember that we spoke of the 21st century of Africa. We speak about the Agenda 2063. We speak about our national development plan. So the youth of this country, the activists of this country, and the citizens must find resonance in these days. Because even these days, Mr. Sande will be complaining. We don't see other races. It is the same like asking why European countries don't have their own independence days. Because they were busy colonizing Africa. Mm. The same like the opposite race. They cannot come to June 15 when they know their forefathers took part in the killing of the people in 1960 in Chapville. So we cannot be, you know, asking them, can you come closer to our holidays and observe with us? They will never. And I think that's where we are still finding the challenge in what we call the post-colonial state. Absolutely. We're going to continue with this chat. If you can just stay with us, advocates, and we need to take uh, news headlines now. It's half past two. Over to you, Utsile. Discussions impacting your life the most. Our discussion is around the significance of Independence Days in the African continent. Talking to advocate Sipo Mandula. You can call us. Remember, our lines are 0891-104-207. WhatsApp us on 061-410-4107. You can SMS 40938 at 150 per SMS. Is Independence Day something that's significant to you? I'd love to hear from young people as well if this is something that matters to you and, and the Conversations that you have in your circles. I'm Asanda Beda, of course, in for Chriselda Dudumashe on this uh, Tuesday. So, uh, Advocate, before we took uh, the news headlines, we, we touched on some of the lessons that Ethiopia could be putting forward for us in terms of learning from how they resisted um, complete colony, being colonized completely. We, religious resistance was one of the things you spoke of. If we look at the case of the DRC and the Catholic Church sort of spearheading the religious resistance there and how it it's, it hasn't really worked. Uh, what are they doing wrong, if they are doing anything wrong? Since I understand DRC has worked, you know, when I raised Lumumba earlier in my uh, introduction, when I said Lumumba said our independence was conquered through a fierce struggle, it was not through suffering or blood. Remember that the Catholic Church in 2016, they were able to break the mediation process. But I think maybe in the latest elections when they were punting Fayula around Tesekedi, that's where we find that it's like they were biased. But their report, I think, will still remain a domestic observer mission report that is credible. But when you look at the DRC, the Belgians, look how the Belgians have captured DRC Congo in terms of their minerals. DRC, when Lumumba took that speech in 1960 on the 30th of June, he spoke of the 80 years of the colonial regime. So I think that the DRC, what we should allow it to go through, is a healing and cleansing. It's for them to have a transitional justice system. And I think Tesekedi is trying, even if he's got challenges, like he has released prisoners, and he's trying to bring the exiles back. So I think DRC, as one of the countries that received independence in the early 60s, it is still held up by the security crisis. It's one country, Sister Sanda will always say that, is the United Nations keeping peace, or are they fueling conflict? 
And why the Blue Helmets have been there only changing names of the missions from MUNUSCU to UNUCU? Well, they're just changing names and in French acronym, you know. And for us, we are always being supportive of the DRC crisis. Remember that South Africa played a critical role in the inter-Congolese dialogue, but I can assure you the South Sudan, another crisis. When you think of the independence of the South Sudan again, you ask yourself, is the South Sudan an independent state or is it still a dependent state to Khartoum or to other even European states that have an interest in the Mm. oil of the South Sudan? All right, we've got a call from uh, Johnny in Turflua, Blimpopo. Welcome, Johnny. Welcome. How are, uh, thank you, sister. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you, buddy? Good, man. I want to also greet the last day inside the industry. You're a nice topic. Mm. Yeah, look, you know, you, you touched on the issue of uh, of uh, what could be the role of young people. I'm one of the, uh, you know, young people in the country. Mm. You know, one of, one, my sister, one of the problems that uh, our young people are not part of this thing is because of the uh, you know, political consciousness and because of uh, patronage mm. uh, and uh, because of uh, what? Because of, uh, you know, people identifying themselves with, uh, you know, the struggle of the country. You know, many of our people today, I'll tell you the truth, they are not interested. And I don't see many of them playing a positive role towards, you know, uh, what we are talking about now in studio. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried with our young people because they are detached. They look very detached from the reality. They have been taken away by you know, wrong things that you know won't let them to to you know to understand what should be their role in this uh, kind of the process that we are talking about now in studio. Thank you for your call, uh, Johnny. Uh, KGM calling us from Bloomhof in Northwest. Welcome. Sandra and, and to people. Hello. Uh, look, personally, I feel that th- there's no way we should talk as Africans, as Africa as a continent. There's no way that we should talk about independence for as long as we still held up and so involved in tricked ourselves with systems that are not of our own. Mm. You know, I, I just hear the previous caller talking about political consciences. What are we conscientizing ourselves with when we don't even know where the political structure originates? What were the objectives of the, the, political, the current political structure? For instance, we talk about democracy. When you ask us, Asanda, put us in a hall and ask us, what do we mean? What do we understand about democracy? You're going to get a whole lot of, even if you are to take politically active people like politicians themselves. Now, what I see is the entrenchment and the continuation of a bad thing called uh, democracy. Mm. Uh, it, it is perceived, we are made to believe, we are sold hope of thinking that somehow politics have an answer or answers to the problems that are deeply rooted into systems that con- governs and control us today. And in conclusion, I think uh, a challenge to, to advocate Mandula. Dating back to, for instance, he, we grew up together in, in the, the former homeland. We, mm-hmm. we graduated into, into the, the, the new South Africa, as it were. If you look at what the promises were, even the expectations from us as individuals and collectively as a people, and, and fast forward to now where we are now engulfed with the state 
that is called a failed state or depending on which but which side of the bread you butter mm. a system that is entrenched into into corruption how when you look across the continent how do we even begin to recognize what we claim to to be so-called independent days which by by extension it's actually just us recognizing that we are actually off the system that still control us, controls us up to today. Asanda, thanks for taking my call. All right, thank you, KGM. So that is the question, how to recognize independence uh, days. And maybe, uh, KGM, are you still there? Because I wanted to ask uh, him as well that then how should we rebrand it then? Should we call it something different? Or for him, it's uh, completely, we shouldn't even be, be recognizing it. Um, wh- what is your response, uh, Advocate? Asanda, thanks for the call so, uh, from the listeners and in terms of their interventions. I think KGM is quite true that the, the benefits and the fruits of the independence of South Africa as well 25 years ago from Masikeng, Northwest, where we were, we were uh, active as well as young people. It is something that you find that it's not there. You find that uh, there was the issue of the failed state, it is because of a new... Uh, so-called new dawn of cadres who are just looting, destroying, and at the same time the national consciousness. I think the, the issue of the caller saying the youth are not interested, they have lost their sense. I don't think it is true. We should never give up. Look at the youth of this country. They've put a motto on excess, on elections. Why are we not commending them? We look at the youth at the same time that they are condemning the current spate of killings that are, are, are now happening. So I think we should never give up on the youth. I think KGM, the issue that he raised again of democracy, that's a very a good question that I can refer them to Anthony Zwake Limbede, that if you read Limbede, Limbede clearly illustrates and defines what is African democracy. What I know that people say, but Mandula, this thing about traditional courts, they are not waiting. Lekota oppresses women. But I don't think we should even oppress women in the history and the independence of our leaders. Like what KGM raised against Sister Sandra on corruption mm-hmm. of African countries, I think we are seeing even some of the fruits. Even if we have commissions of inquiry investigating corrupt leaders in Africa, we need to have courts, we need to have the mechanisms. But I think our Ministry of Arts and Culture, again, it is doing something, Sister Sandra, in terms of social cohesion, nation building, young patriots. But I don't think we should deal away with our national uh, commemorative days because they have a resonance into our history and our struggle. And it, it is even the fruit of those who have passed on and those who are coming. Let's close it off with a few SMSs. Uh, one reads, Good day. Advocate Mandula is so on point. Our government and institutions of higher learning are not doing enough to liberate the African child. We should encourage decolonization even through admitting many qualifying students for postgraduate research, which aims to empower African IQ and our indigenous knowledge. That's the end of that SMS. The second one is, Asanda, one of the biggest problems with our so-called leaders is that they are always available for sale as is the case here. I think by here he means uh, or she means South Africa. The third SMS says, Hi Asanda, how come Africans become foreigners in Africa? Mm-hmm. I sometimes think it is something that differentiates us. Uh, that's Siabulela Dani. So another element to the debate, which is that, you know, Africans turning against each other. We didn't touch mm-hmm. on. Um, the last SMS is from Jacob Masejo. It says, Our current African leaders or rulers are for themselves. Mm-hmm. Most African countries have looted their countries, mm-hmm. abrogated 
violated their constitutions and are enslaving their fellow Africans. The former colonial masters are turning a blind eye and exploiting these countries for their benefits. The AU is toothless and Africa should be ashamed of itself. The role of the AU as well, something we didn't get a, a chance to, to touch on. But uh, yeah, let, let's maybe touch on that quickly in about uh, 20 seconds. The role of the AU. I don't think we should uh, despair about our role at the AU. South Africa is paying a lot of money there. Next year, we are taking the chairmanship. SADC, we are playing a critical role. Uh, and to thank those who have sent SMSs that are positive, and I think it's quite true. Africa must not be ashamed. Africa must not relent. We have a positive history and a glory. And we should never give up of uh, confronting the ills of colonialism neo-imperialism, but as well put education as our focal point in terms of reclaiming our glory and our history in the continent. So I don't think we should be dependent. We should be independent and should yeah. be National Heroes Day or National, uh, one can say National Day. Just call it a National Day or a National Conscious Day. Let's, let's leave it on that point. Thank you so much for your time, uh, Advocacy Pomantula. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, Mrs.